Hello, welcome to episode three of Owl and Fowl's Norwich City Football Club We Meet Again series. This is the podcast where we look back at the history between Norwich City and our next opponents. So I'm joined by my good friend and Norwich City expert, Fowl. How are you, Fowl? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Yes, we're um, very excited today, not just for the podcast. It's a big day today, isn't it, Fowl? It's kind of, it's football Christmas day effectively, isn't it? Yeah, we're recording this on the morning of the Liverpool game. Yeah. So what a fantastic day. Podcast recorded in the morning, live football in the yeah. uh, afternoon. And hopefully punctuated by a beer. So that'd be lovely. Oh, it's just incredibly exciting, isn't it, to be, I think obviously not just the fact that we're back in the Premier League, it's just we've all been through so much the last 18 months. Um, to get back in the ground is going to be something special. Um, there's a certain bit of symmetry about today. Um, because when was the last time you were at Carrow Road, Phil? And who did you watch? Well, last time I went to the live football match, I can't remember. Was that, was that Tottenham or any FA Cup? Anyway, it was, um, it was Leicester at home was the last time I was at Carrow Road. It was. And that's today's episode. So episode three, we're going to be talking all about Norwich City and Leicester City. And yeah, why not start with that last meeting? Obviously, what, 18 months ago now? When you went to that game... Did any part of you think this might be the last time you would be going to Carrow Road for a while? Because obviously, I think the things had moved on quite a lot in terms of how the pandemic was going. I believe there probably certainly was rumours that, you know, we could be going into lockdowns and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, genuinely, I'm actually meaning to bring up the Tottenham game. In all seriousness, I can't actually remember whether it was Leicester than Tottenham or the other way around, but... I remember the speed of the pandemic, like it was changed so quickly from week to week. And the concept of going to a live football match seems so alien now that I can't quite remember what I was thinking. I don't seem to be that worried about going to Leicester at home. I was playing Sheffield United, didn't we, after Leicester? That was away. That was officially the last game. And that's it, because then so only two weeks later would have been roughly two weeks later against Southampton. The game was that's when it was all postponed the night beforehand, wasn't it? So the pandemic moved on very quickly, but I don't genuinely remember being that concerned at Leicester at home. I didn't. So you felt it was just a normal game? Yeah, I, as far as I can remember, but like I say, you look back at it and it, it seems like another lifetime ago now, doesn't it? Does. It? Can you remember the game itself? I yeah. mean, I think we talked about this last year and the, the impact that the lockdown had on, on our mm-hmm. club because we were on a decent run of form and that game, I think... My memory of it watching on Sky was that Leicester overall were the better side. I don't think you can deny that. But we were competitive, weren't we? I think that's the big thing compared to after lockdown. Yeah, that's it. But we were hard to beat that game. That was the thing. Um, it's fine margins again, as we've also mentioned before, because I think it's the NHL had a goal chalked off. Uh, one of the few times of our seemed to go in, in our favour. Definitely. And yeah. I thought it was the right decision. Uh, my friend Ben, who's a Leicester fan, diehard, absolutely thought it was a it was a foul the other way, or even a handball. You know, I can't quite remember. Now. Yeah, it was. Um, ben Godfrey challenged him, and I think yeah. as he challenged him, the ball bounced over off the ground or onto his arm. Yeah, and it was. I remember at the time thinking it was harsh. Yeah, so I think we probably got away with one there. And then in the second half, young Jamal Lewis popped up with a, I mean, you got to hand it to him. That's absolutely quality strike from like yeah. edge of the box, controlled across the keeper, through a crowd of players, cut across the ball. So it just bent in that bottom corner around Michael, who is a top quality goalkeeper. Yep. And that was a, 
a great goal. Um, but I think you're right. I think you summarised the game nicely. I thought we were fine, hard to beat, took our chance well from an unlikely source. Um, Leicester were probably the better team. Yeah. But we did have that steely resolution. And obviously going into the, the next game, losing to Sheffield United away, uh, so uh, it's hard to say how much of an impact lockdown actually had. But we certainly didn't look like the same team after lockdown as we were against Leicester. Um, but yeah, fan- absolutely fantastic goal, as you say. I remember one of the Pinken journalists saying that they were right behind it yeah. when he hit that and how it curled into the sort of back post, low and hard. I mean, he obviously didn't score many goals for us, and that pretty much would have been his last game. Certainly his last game at Carrow Road, obviously, wasn't it? Um, that would have been his last game in front of um, in front of the fans, definitely. I think he's ever scored one goal for us, and that was on his debut, I think, against Chelsea. In, in the Cup. In the Cup, yeah, yeah. the header. I don't know if you remember the other game that season away. It was just before Christmas yeah. and we actually got a very good point and it should have been more. I remember listening to the commentary on Five Live and they were really raving about our performance that day. We had that classic combo, Emmy slotting a, a ball through to Timo, who um, dispatched it, as you'd expect, right into the bottom corner. And we did look the better team against them. I don't know if you recall that day. The biggest thing that came out of that was Pookie's toe injury. Yeah, um, all the above, really. I remember, I obviously, I didn't see the game. I wasn't there. Um, I was just listening to it on the radio as well. Um, probably Radio Norfolk, though, which so is obviously... I, won, I was going to say biased, but actually, I think out of... Um, one thing lockdown football's taught me and watching on iFollow, uh, where we've had to listen to the opposition's local radio. Actually, I'm going to hand it to Chris Gorham and the lads. I think they're pretty unbiased as far as it goes. But I would have likely been listening to it on Radio Norfolk. And it sounded like we were playing excellently at times. Yeah. And the goal, yeah, it was a classic Emmy Bundy sort of slide through ball. Yeah. Pookie picked out the corner. He almost took it early and seemed to have, like wrong foot Schmeichel a little yeah. bit. So it wasn't he didn't smash the lever off it, did he? He yeah. pushed it in the bomb corner and then obviously, yeah, the toe injury. It's just such a shame that we conceded. It's, I mean we we go on about fine margins all the time and this is another case where if we had have held on and got the three points that our performance probably deserved, if Pookie hadn't sustained that toe injury, does our season go in a different direction? We, I think we were on a decent run there. So I, I've got a feeling that was probably around about the time when we beat Everton away, so in that sort of yeah. period. And I think we drew with Arsenal at home. and uh, Exactly that. You're 100% right. And all what you're saying, or 98% right in what you're saying, <laughs> Arsenal was around at the time of year, definitely. I remember Everton, that was a Christmas time fixture because as we were playing that game, Norwich were playing that game, I was playing a Christmas gig on a trailer in Halesworth, you know, living a rock and roll lifestyle. And I came off to like quick, you know, refreshing, see what was going on. Obviously, Dennis Sabrini tied up the win, win there. So we were on a decent run of form then. It was, I think we played Wolves in that same period where it was the same sort of thing. We lost that one at home and Sheffield United we lost at home. Both games we were well on top of. Yeah, it was all during that that sort of pre-Christmas period, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, in that game against Leicester, we didn't look a million miles away from them in terms of, you know, looking at the two sides. And obviously Leicester are a top, top Premier League team. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, going back to the toe injury. And I think this is a problem we had 
this last season we were up. I've made a case that injuries absolutely should be an excuse previously. And I think this is another example of it and the fact that how thin our squad was. I mean, Timmy Puki, um, was, he was doing really well. He scored 11 Premier League goals, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And, yeah. And most of him must have been in that first half of the season. Yeah, I mean, that Leicester one was probably, I think that was probably his 10th. Yeah. Um, I think that was his last one from open play. Um, yeah, no, that's it. And I think that's the thing. I've, he never seemed to quite recover from that toe injury for me. It was a case that we got him back in the team as soon as we could. He just never looked 100% yeah. fit to me. He's that sort of player. We've noticed that, haven't we? It was the same in the Euros. He, If he's slightly off it or if he's carrying an injury, it's so noticeable, isn't it? Some yeah. some players you, you kind of couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's all based around this game, isn't it? You know, it's pace and work rate, isn't it? And, yeah. Interestingly, actually, um, in terms of top speed in the Euros, uh, a stat I saw that Timmy Puki is in the top 10 fastest players in the Euros. Oh, OK. Which is quite interesting because yeah. there's obviously, I wouldn't describe him as slow, but I never considered him to have like lightning pace. Um, I totally agree with you. He's one of those players that 100% Timmy Puki is, you know, is great, is, is what you see, what you want. 98% fit Timmy Puki. He just feels like you're carrying him. He just... Everything's yeah. one touch too slow. Yeah. It tries to take too many touches. And I think that was it after Christmas. And I, I personally felt that Timmy Puki kind of got a lot of stick for not being good enough for the Premier League. When in actual fact, I thought, well, if you look at the first half of the season, yeah. he absolutely was. And the goal against Leicester is just typical Timmy Puki. Obviously, it doesn't work like this in football. But if he, if he scored 10 goals in the first set of fixtures, then... Scored another 10 in the second set, sort of replicated that. That's oh, 20 goals in the Premier League, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's going to be in the running for the golden boot, isn't it? Yeah, and also it's a side that wasn't creating anything. Uh, you know. Exactly, this is exactly it. At the end of the day, a striker's only as good as the rest of the team, isn't it? Yeah. So there's only really one obvious place to start with Leicester City 2015-16, a season that everyone associated to football just remembers so fondly, isn't it? I'm mm-hmm. I'd never experienced quite a backing for another side as they went into that Premier League running. It was almost like they were doing it for all of us, wasn't it? It was. What's your recollection of that season? When Was there a certain point where you thought, they could actually do this? They're not going to tail away like everyone thought, you know, sort of after Christmas they were going to, you know, sort of peter out. Yeah, definitely. They went to Man City after Christmas and they won. I can't remember the score now. I think it was 3-0, actually. Yeah, it was 3-0 or 3-1. That was yeah. the game I was thinking of. And yeah. I think they were quite convincing, weren't they? I thought I'd watched that game. I remember going into that game thinking, well, you know, they've done well so far, but now we'll see if they're at, you know, poor little Leicester. We'll actually see if they really can hold on. And they went to Man City, tipped the game to them, and were by far the better team for the entire game. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't like one of those games. I think Everton beat Man City 3-0 a couple of seasons ago when they had like three touches of the ball, basically. But it wasn't like that. I mean, Leicester dominated the game, particularly second half, and, and outplayed them. And I was like, well, actually, these guys are serious, you know? Yeah. And that was a game for me. And it was, you're right, they weren't doing it for us, weren't they? It was, we've talked about this previously, the Premier League and the existential crisis you have. But Leicester that season was that beacon of hope for all of us, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's something that everyone clings onto, isn't it? Mm. Because you look at that Leicester squad that won the league, and that could be any squad for any team, because it was a combination of a few journeymen, particularly in defence, and a few astute, Signings from overseas signings that yeah. 
it's become Norwich's bread and butter, but exactly. players that had been, you know, scouted well and brought in for for cheap fees. And obviously, things have to happen. We've talked about this in terms of, you know, a lot of the the, the traditional challenges all sort of went through difficult periods that season. And also, I think it's key, Leicester avoided injuries. It was a consistent, pretty much that, you could name that start at 11 every game, give or take. Yeah, exactly that. And uh, you, you're absolutely right there, Mark O'Brien, like Wes Morgan. I mean, these are journeys. Robert Hoof. Robert Hoof. Yeah. I mean, Robert Hoof. I mean, fair play to him, isn't it? Absolute, I think Robert Hoof uh, and Wes Morgan were that season absolute perfect examples of the just do your job and do it yeah. properly. Like, absolutely. They're not going to be proper defenders. Absolutely. You're not going to see them, you know, like a Maldini sort of playing the ball out or anything like that. They knew their limits, but they. And what they were, absolute rocks for the defenders. They were a brick wall, those two. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got Fardy up front, plucked from, um, you know, the lower leagues, late starter in his career. Kante and Marius were the two, weren't they, as well. Kante, uh, like we're talking about, well, like you were mentioning about cheap fees. I think it cost 400000 something ridiculous. Like yeah. That. They're making a case for him about winning Ballon, the Ballon d'Or this year, and I think it's absolutely right, because there's probably not another player in the world who's as good at their position as Kante is at his yeah. position. He is just unbelievable. And that season, I remember at Carrow Road, when they beat us quite simply, actually. They sort of... Yeah, I made a note of that. I mean, the score was 2-1. Obviously, I wasn't there and I, I didn't see the game. You would have been there. So it, yeah. it was a, a convincing 2-1, wasn't it? It was. I mean, it was competitive. I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to say that they blew us away, but... It didn't. They they felt like they was had that extra gear, you know. And Kante is just a vacuum in the midfield. I mean, it was quite early in the season. I think that was or September time. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you you weren't sitting there in the bar and thinking, ah, oh, this this is the Premier League champions I'm watching. But did you right. think at the time that this was actually a good side because they were tipped to go down, weren't they? Yeah. But yeah, all those things really. Because talking about the form there, on remember the previous season when they nearly got relegated, they obviously went on like a silly run, didn't they? Yeah. They won like four at the last five to stay up or something, yeah. something like that. Uh, and also that's part of Vardy scored that game, didn't he? You know, but that was part of his kind of it goal was, scoring streak. It, it was, it? yeah, that beat the record, didn't it? I yeah, Van Destroy's record. Um, so I didn't think they. What they reminded me of that season was the season where Bournemouth won the championship. In that, I remember Bournemouth coming to Carrow Road and, and we think drew two two something like that, or one one. And I remember thinking to myself, that everyone's talking about no one thought Bournemouth going up there. Yeah. Everyone thought that Bournemouth, like oh, you know, mid table, sort of trying to establish themselves. And I thought, well, they're a decent side. It'd be interesting to see how far they go. Yeah. And they actually won the league. I remember thinking the same with Leicester. I was like, well, oh, these guys aren't relegation candidates. They're a decent side. Yeah. And like Kante was the equivalent of having twelve players on the pitch. It's like he gives you two players. So you remember him? Oh yeah, him and him and Vardy are. Like yeah. top quality. I think Schlopp scored a winner. Did Jeffrey Schlopp score a winner? Okay, yeah, I'm not sure. No, I, obviously, I know Fardy scored. And I remember thinking to myself, you go into that game thinking they're a fellow relegation candidate. Yeah. Winning game. And I remember coming out thinking, uh, if they're another relegation candidate, we were in trouble. As <laughs> turned out to be the case, in fairness. Yeah. Um, but they were, yeah, I remember thinking they're better than what people are saying. Talking about the, the return game that season, yeah, we went to, um, I was going to say Filbert Street, but a few years behind it. Yeah, the, the KP, isn't it? KP, yeah, stadium. And it was another game that we actually held our own. I think we lost 1-0, and it was quite a late 
winner. It was getting quite late in the season. It was the sort of game that, again, made you think that they could actually go over the line here because they they did, like what we said last week, they, they did what champions do and they ground out a win. Yeah, you're absolutely right in everything you're saying there. And that's exactly what I was thinking of. It reminded me of the last time we played Liverpool. Yeah. In that they were kind of they've got through that Man City game. They've got they've got through that post Christmas kind of like yeah. and actually walked that part of it. Yeah. And they were kind of into the latter third of the season now where there it is just results. It was very similar to that Liverpool game in that Leicester had to really grind out yeah. that win. I remember watching it and we looked pretty good. We looked solid actually. Um, without actually looking like we're going to score. Leicester didn't really look like scoring, um, but just weight of pressure really eventually yeah. told and like a ball across the box, uh, obviously going in. And I remember like obviously the camera was shaking. Yeah. Like, the whole ground was rocking. It was absolutely pandemonium. Was there any part of you that was a little bit envious, thinking why Leicester and why not us? Oh, you'd be, uh, you know, a sad football fan not to be, wouldn't you? I mean, that, yeah. is, that, that is the dream story. I mean, like we talked about Man City winning the league. Fair play to them. They are a brilliant side. They've spent nearly a billion pounds. They, yeah. they should be a good side. Same with Liverpool. I know mean, Klopp today has been moaning about not spending much, but they have spent a lot compared to, say, for example, Norwich. Yeah. Um, but Leicester, those two seasons, they hadn't spent a fortune at all. Yeah. They hadn't spent much. Kante, Marez, Vardy, their big signings, Drinkwater that season, none yeah. of them had you know, gone to them for particularly big money. Yeah. Um, and that is the dream. Sports like, the winner, isn't yeah, it, Carl? Absolutely. Um, and of course you'd be jealous. Uh, you know, everyone wants that to be their team. But for anyone outside the top three teams in the country, yeah, that's the dream, isn't it? It is. It made me think back to when we nearly did a Leicester back in 92, 93, almost identical circumstances in that we were relegation favourites. We had a team made up of academy journeyman obviously no big signings but we couldn't quite get over the line could we that's no. the frustrating thing that's it um 100 is exactly the same as that season we just i mean well we choked a little bit didn't we yeah leicester i mean I, I, fair play i mean third place is brilliant we'd obviously take third place now um <laughs> but leicester managed just to keep it going long enough didn't they plus obviously the, the team they're competing with that season was tottenham who somehow managed to finish third in a two-horse race, which is, <laughs> is peak Tottenham, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, we did have a, um, a rejuvenated Manchester United to deal with that year, and, you know, that was they won the title. Yeah. But there was times during the, that Leicester winning season where it was only natural to think back to 92-93 yeah. and see a few uh, similarities in terms of the way it was going. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right in everything you say. It's, it was so many parallels to it. It's those sort of stories in football, like Norwich and Leicester. Yeah, it just keeps that little dream alive, doesn't it? And I think it's important to say, fair play to Leicester, it wasn't really a, a one-off season in that they're the only side, I think, that's kicked on to break the traditional top four, top six ceiling. Yeah. They're now within that group, aren't they, every season though. People talk about them as Champions League possibilities. They have built on that season obviously they haven't won it again but they've moved forward as a club haven't they yeah definitely I, I like I think Brendan Rogers I think is a fantastic manager I've yeah. always been a fan of his I just think the way he gets a team to play football is excellent not dissimilar to what we tried to do to be fair but you feel like Leicester is a good fit don't you Brendan Rogers and Leicester it feels right doesn't it for yeah, both exactly 
and he's doing a terrific job uh, and he should be praised for that. So they've absolutely broken the top six ceiling. FA Cup holders? Yeah. Yeah, so again, that encourages all the other clubs in the league, doesn't it? That yeah. Not just that you could potentially win the league, but you could potentially become a, a consistent a top four competitive side. Yeah. And when you get on that circuit, that treadmill, you know, you yeah. keep getting into the Champions League or Europa League. So yeah. You keep doing well in cup competitions. You know, you're up there. The top people are going to see. People are going to want to play for you. Yeah. You know, there's that. You feel with Leicester is like they're looking up, aren't they? Rob? Yeah. Looking down. I mean, it, you're right. It is a, um, you know, just become a bit of a positive cycle, doesn't it? That you no longer talk about Leicester as yeah, their potential relegation candidates. Doesn't no. Enter your mind, does it? No. No. Very good team. Yeah. Moving on to a record. So the home game in 2015. It actually set a new attendance record at the all-seater Cairo, which I think since been broken. But I'm not sure if you know this, our all-time record crowd back in March 1963, who do you think the opponents were that day at Cairo Road? I'm going to take a stab in the, in the dark here. I'm going to swing at Leicester, maybe. It was, yeah. <laughs> so our all-time record, which you could say it's unlikely to be broken, actually. Quiz time for probably expecting this. Um, what was that record attendance? Uh, well, I should imagine it's getting on for 45,000, is it? Something like that. Very good, Phil. Yes. 43,984. Wow. Punters packed into Cow Road that day. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Uh, well, no, not, not now. <laughs> Basically, the only time I've ever been in terracing is with you at Peterborough. Yes. So I, I don't, I yeah. just can't imagine it. I don't know how it worked. Yes. Well, back then, it, the reason it worked was three sides of the ground were terrace. Yeah. So obviously at the Barclay end, you had the old river end. And then you also had all of the, the safe stand or Jarrow stand. So you almost had a, a terrace that went around three stands. I don't know if they filled in the corners. Yeah. You think if the Jarrow stand now is terrace instead of seating, that would be quite an imposing Stadium until stand. Yeah, absolutely would. Could you imagine it? Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be a proper wall of people, wouldn't it? Yeah. Does it surprise you that it's Leicester and not one of the more traditional um, clubs? I mean, I guess so, but I, I guess I need some context. Was it a particularly important game, or actually, did you know this before I mentioned it? Did you know that our record attendance was Leicester? Was, uh, no, I didn't. This, so this is know. fresh news to you. It is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. It's basically indication of how big the FA Cup was. Yeah. So this was um quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Okay. It would have come a few years after the famous fifty nine run. You know in Cup Fever grips, then you know that makes all the difference. We wouldn't obviously wouldn't have had many home quarterfinals during that time. So when we did have one, yeah. you're gonna be looking at record numbers. Yeah. Um I've got an example that backs this up in a way. I remember in eighty eight, eighty nine watching um, you remember Sutton when they came to Cow Road after yeah. their, their giant killing. They came to Cow Road in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Yeah, I went there and I just couldn't get over how busy it was. And I think the gate that day was about 22, 23,000. Yeah. And to put that into context, I think our average league attendance that season was around 16, 17. Yeah. I think in the league game against sort of Liverpool's and Man United's of the world, you know, maybe we were touching 20. That emphasises what an attraction the FA Cup was. Yeah, you certainly won't be getting that many people watching a FA Cup game 
these days, would you? No, and it's because simply the Premier League, and that filters down to all the leagues, the Premier League's become so important uh, that staying in the league is paramount. And obviously then the championship, getting into the Premier League is paramount, or staying in the championship to have a shot next season. It's all that Premier League, importance of Premier League has unfortunately diminished the FA Cup. Which is a shame, actually, because I've stated it before, like, football's all about those occasions and those yeah. days. And winning the FA Cup, I think, is a realistic ambition for Norwich. Yes. And I'd love to see it. And we, Whether we will or not, uh, another question. It should be a target this year. I, I 100% agree. And what I hate about it is, you know what will happen. It will get to January time. It will be tight in the league and we get the FA Cup and we get, you know, maybe the... Well, we haven't had too many great draws, but we get home draw against someone with a field like sort of seven out of ten, uh, seven out of eleven is going to be not first teamers, aren't yeah. they? Or fringe players, and we're not going to quite gel. Just not going to quite go for it. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? It is. And then I wanted to ask you about that. So that attendance, forty-three. Yeah, let's call it forty-four thousand. Round it up. Do you think that will ever be beaten? And I guess the question here is: Do you think? Car Road will be expanded. Yeah, good question. I mean, the first, I, I, yeah, the answer to the first question, I don't know actually if it'll ever be beaten. I, I mean, that's quite a jump, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's fourteen, fifteen thousand over current capacity. Yeah, exactly. It's quite a leap. There's always been a lot of talk about we need to expand Car Road. I don't know that we do actually. We are at pretty much capacity every week, so that we indicate yes, we do need to expand, but. There's quite a few league games, and we'll see it this season as well. There will be teams when we're not full. Not we're not going to be radically down. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be sort of twenty five and a half thousand as opposed to twenty six and a half thousand. But you will see seats dotted around. So I don't actually know if you put another ten thousand seats on, what, would we sell them? What would be your your gut feel? What do you think would be an optimum sort of level of capacity? Yeah, if you could sort of come up with a figure where you think. That's what we need. That's probably what we could sustain. That's that's almost the perfect amount. Yeah, I mean, I think probably another five thousand on what we got now. I think that's for the big games would sell out. The problem is, is that you're always going to get those big games, aren't you? Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of new stadiums tend to come in at the thirty thousand mark, don't yeah. they? And Leicester is a good example of that. Yeah, the KP. Um, I was quite surprised actually. They're talking about expanding it. I read this the other day actually expanding up to about 40,000, which has shocked yeah. me, actually. I assumed that they were already were at that level. No, I think they're 30,000. Yeah. But, yeah, that feels about right. Maybe 30, 35 feels yeah. right. 45, 44, 45. No, nah, just... That's a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> yeah, that could be a record that will um, be around forever. Moving on to... There's a couple of defining games. So, over the years, we've had some uh, big en- encounters with uh, Leicester. Going back 1980, 81... Relegation dogfight, final game of the season, Leicester already down. So right. that's what you want, isn't it? Absolutely. If, happy you, days. if you need a win yeah. to stay up, <laughs> you want a team that's relegated, don't you, to come to your ground on the last day of the season? In theory, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In practice, uh, we bottled it. We lost 2 3. There's a hat trick player called Jim Melrose. John O'Neill was playing in defence for Leicester that day. Is that a name that resonates with you? The- John O'Neill. John O'Neill. It's not related to Keith, is he? He's not, no, <laughs> no. It's, it's not, unfortunately, no. No, this would be before your time. It's quite a, it's a very sad tale, actually. You know, he was like a, one of our, he was one of our big transfer signings. He was a central defender. And he only played 30 minutes for us. 
and then he got a career-ending injury. Oh, really? So that's why you probably don't know the name. Sort of fickle fate of football, isn't it? Big money signing, big name, came in, played 30 minutes for us. So the next season, we're both looking to make immediate returns. Obviously, we both went down. And this time, we went to Filbert Street in May. So it's it's one of those classic six-pointers. And like we normally see Norwich lose in the the big relegation um, games, the flip side to that is we often turn up for the big promotion winning games. And we beat them 4-1 that day, which was an absolutely incredible win. And it was... It was a critical win as we actually pipped them for the final promotion spot. By far, our, our, our best win that season. They had uh, Gary Lineker up front for them. Really? In that game, yeah. Did he ever get on to, go on to do much? Yeah, it's, it's a name that rings about. I think he, um, he opened up a bar in Magaluf. Oh, that's the one, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, oh, actually, Phil, I, I forgot to mention, going, sorry, going back to that FA Cup quarter-final game. Oh, yeah, what happened? Yeah. Got, <laughs> what, what do you think happened? Do you think the, the 44 phase and inspired the team? No, I'm forgetting we lost it. <laughs> we lost 2-0. I, yeah. I can't remember too many semi-finals have been in. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we lost that. Uh, lost 2-0. Uh, the last sort of point I was going to make on these defining games, in, in both relegation seasons, uh, 1984-85 and 1994-95, we lost winnable home games against Leicester. I think particularly 94-95, they got relegated as well. And again, yeah, if we could have beaten them, which we probably should have, could have been the difference between us going down and, and staying up. A fine margins yeah. for mine once this, again. Yeah, this is the uh, the theme that comes up yeah. consistently now. Um, I did have a, I'm going to jump now. So I did have a, a stat, actually, and I don't know how up-to-date this is, but in 13 of the last 23 seasons that we've been in the same league as Leicester, Either one or both clubs have been either promoted or relegated. Really? So, yeah, in, in over half the seasons that we, we've been in the same league, something's happened for both of us. And, of course, um, yeah, last time round, that stat was applicable. Yeah, it's funny, actually, because um, my friend Ben, the Leicester fan, Ben, who's not got... I've asked him if he wants to say anything. He's not got back to us. That's quite annoying. But, yeah, over the last sort of 10, 12 years... We do seem to have spent quite a lot of time avoiding each other. It's It was a case when they were League One, they went up, we went down to League yeah. One, then we went up, they were up, then we swapped places again. Yeah. We kept. We spent about five or six years of avoiding each other, Yeah, it felt like. Which probably, looking at that stat, could have been a good thing because when, you know, when we are together. Yeah. <laughs> although saying that, the stat says it's either promotion or, or relegation, but obviously in the Premier League there was no promotion. So. No, exactly. That's <laughs> at least one of us. <laughs> uh, moving on, I'm not going to go into any detail in this because we've touched on it before, certainly last season in the Wickham episode, but obviously there was that Martin O'Neill episode, that crazy few days, do you yeah, remember? Yeah, I, I remember it well. I remember watching it on TV. <laughs> I think we were going to play Leicester, weren't we? Yeah. And just before the game, Martin O'Neill, I was like, I'm, I'm off to Leicester. It's yeah. Like, it's, it's like he got, <laughs> it just got to use us for the bus journey, basically, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> While we're here, I'm going to stay, actually, lads. Yeah, I wonder if he travelled up with, with the Norwich squad. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. That day and just... Uh, with a suitcase. Dropped the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they were like, oh, where are you going for the weekend? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bringing a lot of stuff. That's wife and kids. It's coming <laughs> as well. It's fine. <laughs> um, we, we talked about O'Neill a lot in the, the, yeah, the Wickham episode. He, he was only with us as a manager for... You know, six months, but we were doing really well. He he actually played in that four-one win at, at Leicester in nineteen eighty-two. That 
mm-hmm. like with, I was talking about earlier. Uh, yeah, he had a f- famous fallout with the chairman trying to sign a player. Yeah. And it all, all unraveled. It was surreal. And then they beat us 3-2 that day. And they they were up and running under under him, weren't they? Yeah. We, we kind of stalled. Yeah, it's exactly. I remember it flying into, into the game. I think we are top three, weren't we, at the time? And, yeah. And uh, it, that was absolutely uh, the, the turning point of the season. And they went yeah. one way. We seemed to, our courses diverged with us going in the opposite direction, unfortunately, and never quite able to get out of the league again. And, and obviously, Martin went and took a few of our players with him. Well, I was going to say that the forward line in that 3-2, this is what, makes it even more surreal is that up front for Leicester that day was uh, Mark Robbins and Ewan Roberts. Yeah. Um, this has been Robbins after Norwich and Roberts before. Yeah, exactly. Norwich. Uh, O'Neill came back, you know, he bought Spencer Pryor. Yeah. Remember that name? Yeah, I do. Great to know. Yeah. Rob Ullathorne. Rob Ullathorne. I really liked Rob Ullathorne. Always been a fan of fullbacks. Yes. And it felt like he was one of the sort of that new breed of kind of fullbacks like to get forward. Yeah. Obviously scored the infamous goal. I was thinking that. <laughs> I've, I've still got that image of his, uh, his look of shock. Yeah. Um... But I think that's the thing with Leicester is that I've always felt, and Leicester fans will disagree with me, um, and now it's not quite so true, but I've always felt they're kind of a similar size club to Norwich. Yeah. You know, like similar kind of like League One, not League One, sorry, Championship kind of Premier League kind of level, yeah. kind of almost like yo-yo, you know, some some decent season, some not so good. Um, obviously, they've had a bit more success. I think they won a League Cup in the 90s, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, yeah. Had some good players as well. Emil Heskey, Mussey, is it? Obviously, spring to mind. Obviously, yeah. Gary Lineker going back a few more years. But yeah, they were felt kind of similar. We, we felt like it was one point we kind of exchanging players from each other quite regularly. Yeah. Um, but over the last, since obviously their Premier League win, they've just gone to the next level. Yeah. And I think um, this moves us nicely onto um, another player connection, a record transfer. No, it's been beaten by uh, Emmy now, hasn't it? But at the time, obviously uh, immensely popular and talented James Madison. Yeah. Is it 20 million I've got down here? I can't remember. Yeah. There's at least that, yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a transfer that really dominated that period, wasn't it? That summer. What? Firstly, what were your thoughts on that transfer in terms of, were you surprised he went to Leicester? So, no, I wasn't. I thought it was a good home for him, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I felt, felt a good fit, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Where they were. Exactly. Yeah. It felt like a Premier League move to a team which weren't actually going to go down and he'd get good game time for. Yeah. Um, it, from our point of view... We it, had to sell him, didn't we? It was a little bit like him. Not quite so much like him, actually, to be fair. But it felt similar in the sense that he was far too good for where we were then. Obviously, we finished that season like 14 for 15, yeah. didn't we? And it, it was like, no, he's a Premier League player. It, at times that season, he was our Roy of the Rovers, wasn't he? Well, I was thinking, actually, this was sort of the period of time where I was overseas, and I, I'm 99% sure I never saw him play live yeah. in a Norwich shirt. So maybe you could help me out here in terms of, did he stand out? What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. He, was, he always wanted the ball. Um, yeah. He had a 
razor sharp turn on him. He was so comfortable on the ball, great passer, obviously a great finisher. Yeah. You know, lethal from free kicks and everything else in between. Um, but yeah, he really drove the team forward. He was the next level up. I remember him coming in actually at the end of the previous season under um, Alan Irvine. He'd just come back from loan in Aberdeen, I think. Yeah. And he was just sort of feeling his way into the team, but he could tell he had quality there. I think what I remember is a lot of Norwich fans were quite eager to get him in. I think there was a bit of frustration that he wasn't in sooner, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. I mean, I took that with a pinch of salt personally because I felt, you know, there's a difference between performing well at Aberdeen as there is to performing well at Norwich. We've seen various players come down from Scotland and yep. look far out of depth. So I was like, okay, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. Let's not get too excited. And he did start to come in the next se- that season under Irvine. And I think we had Pritchard playing. Yeah. And we had, so we had Pritchard, Houlihan, and Madison. There's a few players yeah. there vying to get in. I actually thought Pritchard was ahead of Madison as well. Yeah. Um, and going to the next season, I actually, I know Pritchard got injured, but I actually felt Madison was behind Pritchard still even then. But as the season went on, yeah, you could just see him becoming more and more confident. Yeah. He he wanted the ball so much. Yeah. Um and he was happy to have it under pressure, happy turning between players, yeah, always looking to move the ball on, always progressive, you know. And so when he moved on, I wasn't disappointed. I was like, Well, that's fine. He's it was, just got to. It was the most inevitable transfer that summer wasn't it it was yeah. always going to happen it's just a case of how much exactly and, and I think actually because he got injured didn't he last yeah. game against Sheffield Wednesday when we got hammered there yeah. um, there was a lot of concern actually because it was like you know yeah. we're not, not so much about him being injured it's more about we need to move him on because we desperately need the money yeah it's a bit worrying how it can get in a scenario where it all hinges on one talented player coming mm. through and yeah. becoming of high value Sort of a, a bit of a tangent here, but um, rather randomly, we had an auditor come into our company a couple of years ago who um, was uh, asking me some questions and the conversation swiftly turned to football and he name dropped. He said he went to school with James Madison. Yeah. And um, yeah, he, he said that, yeah, they were sort of in the same year together and obviously played together. He did that classic where he said, yeah, actually, he, he didn't really stand out. Yeah, I was, I was probably as good as he was. Yeah. <laughs> if I'd have tried a bit harder, yeah. well, you Yeah. Yeah. You do hear that a lot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sorry. A little side story there. No, that's that's interesting, though. People say, yeah, he wasn't that good. He didn't really stand out. But I think that goes to show that these Premier League players, like how hard they actually work. Yeah. You yeah. have to respect that. Yeah. I mean, I, I take all this with a pinch of salt because, you know, obviously the academies and the scouts aren't daft and yeah. if you're going to go to have the careers that they had, you've got to have something about you. you? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so record transfer, um, which kind of shows to me how far or the gap has increased ourselves and Leicester. Yeah. Um, you know, a few years ago, you wouldn't have been expecting that. No, exactly. Um, so moving on to the score predictions, Far, we've naturally been very pessimistic to date. Um, yeah. It seems like the, the season just doesn't get any easier, does it? Liverpool, Man City, Leicester. I believe this must be at home. I would have thought. I don't yep. know, 100%. But where where do you think this is going to pan out? Tough, isn't it? The problem is because we've not seen any of our players play yet, have we? Um, we, I, we don't know who we're going to have then. I presume 
the transfer window must still be open then. It's I think it's the last weekend in August, isn't it? So yeah. it'll be the last weekend of the transfer window. So we, we still might not even have all our players in by then, or indeed out. We still, um, yeah. Obviously, we've still got Max Aaron's floating around at the moment. It's all very yeah. quiet, luckily, but who knows where he might be, for example. So it's just so hard at the moment, isn't it, to make predictions? Having said that, and I feel I've been quite negative in the last couple, I'm going to say we're at home, uh, we've got a defensive midfield player in, we're going to win 1-0. We can, I guess we can base it at the moment on the current squad. And for me, it's it's very hard to see anything other than the Leicester win, which I think is a bit pessimistic. And, you know, realistically, we're looking at three defeats on the bounce. There's so many, you know, factors, isn't there, into this in terms of it depends on how the first two games go. You know, we always talk about momentum, don't we? Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go 1-0 Leicester, I'm afraid. Okay, fair enough. I'll totally follow your logic. What are you going for? I'm, gonna, I'm still going to stick with one nil Norwich. I'm going to I'm going to be positive. Um, I'm going to be, you know, I think the team will see it. I think the crowd will see it as a winnable game, even though that's probably part of the sky. But I think the crowd will be on the side. I'm predicting we've got our final jigsaw yeah. pieces slotted into place. I'm sticking with my one nil Norwich. Brilliant. Fair enough. Uh, I like that. So thank you very much. That's. Uh, Leicester concluded. So I'll, I'll let you go. You got a, you're doing some dog training. Take the take the dog out and get her trained up, and um, yeah. yeah, and we'll go from there. No problem. Cool. All right. Cheers, mate. See you soon. See you Bye. later.